Autumn is here, gentlemen, and it's time to get busy during the holidays. Don't let that stop you from sticking to your habits and being the best version of yourself. That's where our friends at Caldera Lab come in. These guys are the best in skincare game and with an easy routine to keep your face looking pretty no matter what your schedule. Plus, what's a better gift than clear skin? Join the other 100,000 men who trust Caldera Lab to show your best self and first impressions this autumn. Plus, it's a great gift. Get 20% off with the promo code SEVERMMA at calderalab.com. Just like many others listening here, just like all our good Patreon people did, and just like myself and Graham did as well. And you know what? Look Look how young we're looking. <laughs> Fellas, we can all agree on one thing. You're going to brush your teeth today. Incorporate skincare steps before it guarantees not to mess up your routine, leaving your breath fresh and your face refreshed to the bottom at the one time. It's absolutely perfect. Calera Lab creates high performance mint skincare products, and the regimen leads off their product lineup. It's a twice a day routine to transform your skin, just like twice a day routine brushing your teeth exact same thing calera lab knows the skincare world is heavily female driven and has long been the wild west for men that's why they're making the solution simple and that solution is the regimen it has three products the clean slate the base layer and the good the clean slate starts your day it's a face wash that leaves all skin types refreshed the base layer is your daily moisturizer to hydrate your uh, skin and jumpstart your day full of confidence and in the good is your go-to multifunctional serum at night that helps your skin look tighter and smoother as well as helps reduce the visibility of wrinkles and fine lines every drop of this serum is packed with 3.4 million antioxidant units protecting your skin what more could you ask for and the calera lab icon serum as well that is absolutely fantastic we all know where mma fans are listening to this we get tired the owl eyes the you know it addresses those three most common skincare uh concerns around the eye the fine lines the dark circles and the puffiness calera lab is the leader in men's skincare made only with the top tier ingredients and the clinical trials that have found 94 percent of men's skin showed an overall younger looking appearance after using caldera lab for just a few weeks one minute morning and night is all it takes to reduce your wrinkles fine lines and signs of aging and just for our audience we have an exclusive deal you're not getting better than this use the promo code severe mma at calderalab.com for 20 percent off right now get 20 percent off with the code severe mma s-e-v-e-r-e-m-m-a at calderalab.com c-a-l-d-e-r-a-l-a-b dot c-o-m to make unforgettable first impressions with the best gift this holidays 20 percent off at calderalab.com with the promo code SEVERMMA. If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash SEVERMMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash SEVERMMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of SevereMMA.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. 
Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 441 of the Severe MMA podcast. Joined today is Graham McDonald, the Eddie Howe of Irish MMA media, with me, Sean Sheehan, the pod god, to talk about some mixed martial arts. It's been a while since we did a podcast. I had Aaron Bronsetter on last week for the State of the UFC address. If you haven't heard that yet, please uh, check it out. But today we're going to talk about a wide range of topics. Obviously, we've been off for a couple of weeks, so there's a few things uh, to uh, to talk about and a few things to get into. Graham, how are things? You had a, a busy uh, yesterday I'm watching a bit of sport and stuff, I imagine. Did you? How, how How's your Sunday going on so far? Not like me, you just woke up and were... Yeah, I literally woke up late, so I woke up and was like, oh shit, <laughs> ran downstairs. Uh, I don't know, I always slept so long, but uh, yeah, I'm just I'm just out of bed, so maybe my voice might sound a little bit weird or something, but that's why, if if, uh, if it does. <laughs> yes, and I'm also a bit sick, so yeah, I actually, I did the... Uh, I did the post one championship show for Sure Dog the other day, and I, li- you know, you have to do it like non-stop, and there's it's just me talking for a half an hour, so I can't like mute when you're talking and stuff. And literally, I just started coughing like six different points. Trying like, oh no, I can't get through this. I know drink of water. I think I'm like, oh fuck. But look, those are the trials and tribulations. The the flu game, like fucking Michael Jordan back in the day. We 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 got through it, Graham. We'll get through it again. But there's a lot to uh, unpack and a lot to talk about. So let's get. Straight straight into it uh i suppose the most important thing that's happened in the the last week in terms of mixed martial arts is this uh news about the ufc uh antitrust lawsuit and i know you had john nash on to talk about it graham what for people who maybe didn't hear that what is the 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 brief i suppose of what happened in the last week what's changed and what's going to be happening going forward yeah, so as we talked about before, the the uh, a few months ago, the fighters lawsuit or the fighters were classified as a class action lawsuit, and Zufa tried to appeal that to the Ninth Circuit Court, and the Ninth Circuit Court rejected it and said, basically said something along the lines of it was frivolous, and they set the they set the court date for the eighth of April. So I think there's like a, a hearing for injunctive injunctive relief before that, but I think pretty much definitely the, the start of April for around five or six weeks. There's going to be a Zufa versus Lee and at all uh, Kung Lee at all uh, trial going ahead. So you know by the middle of the summer, uh, if there is no obviously there could be a settlement. Zufa could come along and not try to risk uh, you know uh, treble damages if it does go to a jury jury trial and a jury award. If if the jury was to award, for example, one billion, that would immediately be turned into three billion to discourage this kind of this kind of practice in the future. So this is this is massive for the for the obviously for the UFC and but also massive for the sport of MMA because you know the, the fighters are looking for things like um, maximum one year uh, fighter deals and things like that so that would be a complete change from what we have now and you know in my opinion it, it seems from what I hear that we would be shifting towards a boxing model where fighters have a lot more power and kind of you know sell to the highest bidder and, and it, it may be you know completely different to what we're used to but and maybe a bit of like getting used to if the, if this does happen, but you know for the for the good of the fighters, I think you know it really kind of has to happen. It and the second part of what you said there about moving to more, towards more of a boxing uh, model of the, with the way it pays, signing out the way fights are made and stuff. I that's not this case. Is it? there's another case that's going to be uh, happening? All the John, Johnson versus Zufa, I believe, or something like that. That John was talking to you about, but this 
specific one is mostly about like the pay and them being underpaid for years and years and years. So like it, let, let's say it was uh, settled tomorrow and they got you know two billion or whatever. The likes of Neil Siri and you know fucking Sire Bahadurzada and John Fitch and every fighter you know down through the years for a certain amount of time from a certain amount of time to a certain amount of time will get from, from I think it's from June uh, 2010 to December. 2017. Yes, so all of them will be, you know, eligible for some sort of compensation, which would be absolutely massive. And then they would move on to the uh, the next lawsuit and try to change things after that as well. So this is this is absolutely massive because the news this week of it going to trial uh, and the the. Uh, you know, obviously with the, the injunctive relief thing in, in the middle there that could possibly preclude it, but it doesn't look like it will, uh, is a massive step because it feels like the judge favours the Lee side and it feels like they have a really good case and it's been going on for so long with so many, I suppose, lawyers and stuff backing it that those people are not stupid, wouldn't be doing it for that long if they didn't think there was money to be made out of it. Um, and... I think there's two parts of it as well, and obviously this is pure conjecture out of me and stuff, but it feels like they would, the Zufa side would be kind of stupid not to uh, settle now, because as you say, if they're, if it's a billion, they'll have to pay three billion. Um, so if they were to settle for a billion, let's say they'd only have to pay a billion. But then the other side, why would you only settle for, the, and, and the billion is the the, the, the made-up uh, number here, but let, let's say if it was a billion, why would you only settle for that? Would you not be better off looking for two billion? It'll You'll get an extra billion and it'll save them a billion as well or something like that. So there could be a lot of talks, there could be a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff going on here as well. Uh, and it's massive, like it's huge for the fighters. I wonder as well how... Um, how much Zufa would try to keep this out of the courts because... First of all, to a lot of stuff has been released, but I'm sure more stuff would be released uh, if it was to go to court. Plus, um, do they want like a loss on their record in terms of this? Like, if it's settled, it's a little bit different. It's not, you know, it's more of a, 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 a maybe not a no contest necessarily, but it's not kind of a, a loss that if you go to another case, um, it will affect it. Or we have to remember as well that. Uh, the UFC and WWE now are one and the same entity and the WWE could have a similar sort of case down through the years from underpaying their athletes for years and years and years. So do you want uh, a very similar business having a court case that they lost? If you do go to court, would you be better off just settling out of court? So there's lots of... And with the Johnson one coming in the background, as you're kind of hinting at there, yeah. it would seem to me that the precedent that would be set by the Zufa losing this uh, Kung Lee lawsuit would massively affect that one and as you said could affect other other parts of the the TKO brand yeah. or the without company. without a shadow of it out so it uh, to me like and, and this is obviously listen to to yourself talking to John Nash and Crooklyn does a good job as well uh, or a great job even with, with, with John and, and I think John is he's the lead guy really he's absolutely brilliant there's a few other people out there that yeah. do a bit J- Jason me, Cruz is doing some good stuff as well yeah. but yeah I had John on uh, when it went a few months back and I had him on there the other day you can go onto the survey website or onto the our Patreon and it's up for free there if you want to take a listen and kind of get an update from John who's obviously been covering this for, for a lot of years yeah so it's it's just very interesting obviously from 
I, we've tried to explain it there as, as maybe simply as possible because it's for us and for a lot of people it's this is very complicated stuff um, but it could be very 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 big for fighters that have been fighting down through the years and for future fighters uh, as well depending on, on the way things go there's some numbers released this week as well with some of the, the Ronda Rousey pay and some of the Conor McGregor pay and things like that which uh, they're all up on, on bloody elbow as well which are very interesting numbers and I think a lot of people you know there was conjecture down through the years that certain fighters earned this amount of money and that amount of money and they were multi 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 billionaire millionaire sorry out of it uh, and that just isn't the case you know the pay is, is as bad uh, as maybe we thought about and like you, we talk about the 10 and 10 fighters but like the likes of McGregor the likes of Rousey who drew so many numbers and brought so many people to the sport are without a shadow of a doubt the most underpaid fighters in the history of the UFC like McGregor only getting what 5 million for one fight and like 2 million for another fight things like that that's absolutely Dude, ridiculous we know if the discretionary bonuses are included in that or they wouldn't have to be to be listed so I'm, I'm not I saw, sure on that. I saw someone saying that it benefited the UFC to put as much uh, the highest number down as possible now I don't know how but um, I think it is. Yeah, maybe we could ask John about that. And maybe we'll, we'll clarify that next week. But pay per view bonuses are included in that, aren't they? I, I, I saw a few people saying that. So, yeah, it's very interesting. But well, maybe, as I said, maybe we can clarify that for next week and we, we can ask John about that. But it's either way, it's, it's massively underpaid. And, you know, obviously all the fighters are underpaid. But it seems to me that, you know, the likes of Connor and Ronda and John Jones and people like that. Are the most underpaid. Yeah, you know, yeah, obviously they're getting paid more, but they're they're missing out on a lot of millions that they should, in my opinion, or in a lot of people's opinion. And in other sports, similar uh, setups, they would. Um, you know, so to me, it only seems fair that you know <laughs> that something changes. I know I see a lot online people maybe are afraid of what might happen and it might turn into boxing and we might not get the the fights that we want, but or the fights that everybody you know, dreams of the the dream fights and stuff like that, but. At the end of the day, you know these fighters are putting their bodies, their their like their, their they dedicate their whole lives and careers to this, and they they take damage, and you know they they make a lot of money for a lot of people, networks, the UFC, uh, all that stuff, and you know they okay they some of them you might not have sympathy as much for people like Ronda and, and Connor as you would for a guy who makes twelve and twelve, but I think they're in the same boat of getting screwed as well, so. You know, uh, I'm surprised there isn't more of a collective kind of backing for the for the fighter side, especially since all this stuff came out. Maybe the tide will slowly turn, and by the time the court case happens, people will be on side. But uh, it's strange to me that a lot of a lot of MMA fans don't really seem to give a shit about the the, the fighters. Are 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 the media like when big things have come out? We've talked about it. And obviously, you've got John Nash on and things, but like we we brought we could have done a better job of it down through the years. But we always tried to, to touch on it. I feel like. Some some media members just like completely ignored down through the years, like the biggest and the brightest out there, and I I think that's you know it's it's mad, like it's it's mad that that's happened, but like there's no ignoring it now. I don't. I, think, I, I think a lot of people thought it was like oh, another one of these losses going to go away. Yeah, I did and then, too. Well, now it's like it's like for the last few months it's a real deal. And once yes. you get like class action certified, and especially now that you have a trial date, I would have thought that there would have been much more. I thought we would be seeing headlines on on like all the sports and even entertainment and all that website so uh, you know even the, the news it's just it's strange to me but maybe 
you know, maybe over the, the next few months when the trial gets close, we will see, we, we hopefully at least see uh, a lot more coverage. Yeah, it's not as sexy, is it, as the uh, USADA, uh, UFC are changing from USADA and USADA names Conor McGregor, which made the, the 6-1 main evening news here in Ireland. It's not a, you know, the, the, the possible fucking billion dollar payout is not, not as sexy as a changeover from the 31st of December to the 1st of January, is it? Yeah, but anyway, look, these things happen in MMA. Um, come here, I know you've talked about it, but I just wanted to touch on this Francis Ngannou Tyson Fury boxing bout as well uh, before we move on. Um, God almighty, it was, it was brilliant. Like, Francis did so well. Um, and I, ju- I just, like, to be honest, I've gotten a bit tired of all the whole Francis boxing monarchy and this weird, like, fucking political debate between people on different sides of it it's like it's so like it's so weird and so tiresome i think um and i was just kind of glad for francis at the end of it to come out on the upper side like i felt all along that i had a hope that he would do well but i was like oh jesus will he do well like i I, I, because like no one's really ever done it before but he is a different guy he was able to do things that other people aren't able to do whereas you know get a lot of a shitload of money out of this um and do unbelievably well in my opinion he won i watched it and i think he was uh, i said robbed maybe robbed is a little bit harsh but he won like there's no doubt about it he won more rounds than tyson fury in that boxing match there i, I don't i i think it's fine, hard to question that like he was just significantly better than him uh obviously you know it's it's yeah, so like a flicking job it's like tyson was uh, uh, to me like there was basically the big the, the only big shot that tyson landed was an illegal elbow yeah and yeah. You know, Tyson, <laughs> obviously Tyson definitely didn't perform like, you know, to his to his best or whatever. But I think that's because you could see when he when he was feeling the power of uh, of um, Francis that he, he, he was it took him. He looked shocked. Like he looked like, oh, shit, like my my whole my whole <laughs> legacy is on the line here. And and he, he still couldn't, like you know, he. he he still couldn't really get it, Francis. You know, he, Francis was the one moving forward. Tyson seemed tentative. He was trying to feign Francis. Francis wasn't biting on any of them. I thought, you know, nearly all of the big shots were landed by Francis. He obviously knocked him down. I think, um, you know, Francis is pushing for the talk about ring generalship in, in boxing. I'm not like a boxing scoring criteria aficionado, but to me, I like maybe I'm interpreting the rules wrong or haven't looked into them enough. But to me, I thought I thought he won that 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 uh, bout as well. I thought he won by at least one round, if not two. Yeah, he dominated most of the fight, I thought, and I, I definitely think he uh, he won. But either way, like people view it as a win, I think. Uh, but the the weird thing about that is right. People view it as a win in the short term. It's down as a loss. And then I wonder how it'll all actually fall out for him over the, over the next while because, the you know, Dave Meltzer reported the pay-per-view numbers and they were absolutely terrible. You couldn't have imagined yeah. how bad they'd be. Do like. you think the, the, the promoters or the, the people, you know, the... The, that they actually care. Uh, oh no, they don't. Like they're just they're just in this for for a bit of fun, a bit of something to do. You know. Yeah. Well, there, see, there's two different people there. Not necessarily the promoters. So Saudi Arabia don't care. They don't give a shit about it. I'm sure ESPN plus care. I'm sure. Uh, who's Tyson Fury's promoter? Fucking Frank Warren or whoever that is. Bob Arum or whoever's promoting him. I'm sure they care because 
you know, they're earning an extra money out of that. Now they're fucking earning probably a shitload of money from Saudi as well. So they don't care that much. But the problem for Francis is there's really... Now, the next one might sell more. You know, let's say if it was in Vegas or whatever, it might, it might sell a lot. Look at Gustafson and Jones 1. It sold very little. Everyone heard it was like the best fight of all time. And then the second one did a lot more. So there, there is... I wouldn't see even a possibility there's a probability of that also yeah. I think a lot of people just looked at it beforehand and thought this is a yeah. gimmick fight he's got, or gimmick bout he's going to get destroyed you know what's the point and you know after the kind of influencer boxing matches you can kind of see why people might have might have thought that but you know <laughs> Francis is just unbelievable really like you know uh He's only been training in MMA for a handful of years, and <laughs> he's only been training in boxing for a handful of months, and he's able to go in and do that. It's actually like absolutely Incredible. phenomenal. I think in 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 the future, I, like I I appreciate what he did now, but I think in the future people will look back on this and appreciate what he's done much more. I think people kind of a lot of people took a side, you know, took a UFC oh, side, so embarrassing. side, and they just won't they won't step back yeah. and just give give the honest uh, review of of what happened. And uh, Francis no. has done a but phenomenal I- job. He took a big risk. And you know he put he put a lot on the line, and even though he officially lost on the scorecards, I don't think anybody's going out there saying, "Oh, Francis lost," you know, uh, in in the in the general situation. So absolutely phenomenal and fair play to, to Francis. And I think over time, when people's kind of alliances to to the side they picked early are, have kind of faded, he'll 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 likely get the the praise that he should be getting now. The weird thing as well is like the pro Francis side actually made what he did look less than it was because like oh he's that guy you know he is a special human being and all of that like oh he could go in there and he can compete with Tyson Fury like that is not what you should have been thinking you should not have been thinking he can compete with Tyson Fury you should have been thinking he's going to get destroyed from Bill or the boss right and when he didn't do it you need to realize how special that was when he when he beat Tyson Fury when he you know uh, had the ring that image of him lying on the ground and Francis dancing over him it's just unbelievable and this is something that we all should have been massively shocked by and see the problem with this you know with this um unfair an- analyzation of stuff that we've seen like I remember I did a podcast with Sincer about it about a year ago and I did another one in between and we've talked about it here and then all of them I'm like we are badly analyzing this situation because people have like taken this fucking you know Democrats versus Republicans fucking side to this thing and I'm like this is so fucking weird like why are you turning this into it's so weird I'm like why are people doing this like is there anything for like analyzing the situation down through the middle anymore it's like and like a grand do that in your politics or any other shit fair enough grand I don't give a shit about that but in in mixed martial arts in sports why are you doing this like, like I, I really like and Ariel. I think people just hear, I think people just hear something from somebody that they like, and they just parrot it, and then that's their yeah. It's ridiculous. Dead past, like, concrete opinion, and they're not they're not breaking from it. It's it's ridiculous. Like I don't know if you heard that Ariel and Chael thing, but it was it was embarrassing to listen to it. Like someone calling themselves like a fourteen time world journalist here in the middle of this thing where he's fanboying over a fighter. Like it's. It's ridiculous. Like how many how many fighters has he managed? You know, it's it's. I thought it was, it was it was really bad to listen to all the coverage of this and made me embarrassed to be part of of our coverage yeah. of of the sport like like we always remember, remember I, I think it was Francis Carmont Graham I'm taking you back a bit he retired uh, in London I believe and the media clapped after it right. 
And I remember a few, Mark Ramondi was one of them, and a few people afterwards absolutely slating the media that were there for clapping a fellow who just retired. Not, not a massive thing, like, guy retired, like, oh, we'll give him a clap and that's it, and we moved on. Remember the abuse we used to get when McGregor was coming up, when the Irish fighters were coming up? Oh, you have to, I remember I was on Ariel's show, and he, he was like, oh, do you find it hard to remain unbiased and all this? Like, being unbiased was a thing you used to have before, but now we're, like, taking the UFC tide, we're taking an anti-UFC tide, we're taking a plus Francie side and all of this, and it's mad, like, like, you can look at this situation, right, and you can go, Francis Ngannou did something that no human being on planet Earth could ever do, and compete in my opinion beat Tyson Fury you can look at it and say the pay-per-view bombed you can look at it and say he's taken blood money from Saudi Arabia you can look at it and say he has now earned himself an absolutely massive payday in his next fight and probably the one after that and you know behind it all he has like the medium term also sorted because he has a big contract with the PFL so he's Francis has done unbelievably well but it's not all good and it's not all fucking cheerleading and it's not all fucking you know praise and all uh, you know like like some people would make out i i just like wh- where is it graham where where is our coverage of mma these days that it's fucking taking sides that it's talking heads that it's it's not down through the middle and it's not proper fucking coverage yeah like you mentioned the ariel thing i like i think ariel was trying to have a bit of fun and be like be over the top and you can see chael's reaction like i don't want to admit that i was wrong or even give an inch that, that i have to defend my position like it's my child you know? <laughs> you know it's just it kind of shows the kind of attitude of a lot of people online that i've seen that no matter what happens they'll look for a reason why they were right and try to twist things so they were right just so they won't have to say oh like even give an inch and say oh well, maybe i maybe i underestimated uh, francis or maybe maybe he didn't uh, quote drop the bag like i like i said or you know all these things it just it's just it's just a bit ridiculous like you know when when new information comes along or you see results you, like changing your opinion is is the the logical thing to do you know in my opinion anyway yeah. i don't know why people it's people weird. are so are so stuck to married to their to the initial position they took it's mad because like the whole Francis fumble the bag thing right Francis had an offer for 7 million quid per fight or something like that wasn't it from the ufc and then he had this pfl offer and then he had a boxing offer like Francis had about four different bags. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how this all oh, he fumbled the bag thing came out. Like, and I don't know, like people online and all of that. But sure. Yeah, somebody said fumbled the bag and everybody just parroted it. Like, they just, yeah, just, but like, if you're running your life and running your coverage and running your fucking opinion on the fight about two or three people online or a, even a lot of people online, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, you know, cover the fucking sport the proper way. Say what you believe and fuck these people behind that like i don't know i just i i just think the coverage of this has been absolutely ridiculous like and yeah very it's been very annoying and i like I, my, my the, the thing i'm most mad at is right and it's it seems to this seems to be the crux of my frustrations a lot of time is the actual happenings inside the fighting arena are brought down by all of this like i'll say it again what francis did was I, I would put it up there, like maybe only second to Leicester City in my lifetime in terms of what someone has done uh, in, in a sporting realm. Honestly, I thought it was that big. Like, he he won that fight. Let, let's just go as if he won that fight. You, he beat the best heavyweight of his generation after a fucking few weeks training on Even if you just leg. go with, he, he lost a spit decision. Even <laughs> yeah. if you just go with the exact, like, official bockrec.com yeah. or whatever. Insane. Spit decision. Insane what he did. Right? And that's what you should be talking about. 
Not you pulling up fucking tweets of someone from six months ago and all that. Embarrassing shit. Embarrassing shit. Like, cover the sport the way it's supposed to be fucking covered and stop the bullshit. Like, but anyway, we going forward, I suppose, for Francis. It'll be interesting to see what happens, like, because I think if he goes back to Saudi Arabia, obviously he can earn a, a big bag again, let's put it that way, but it's it's Saudi Arabia, and, you know, Francis, to, to be fair now, he's talked an awful lot about changing the world and, you know, bringing MMA to Africa and all this, yet he's taking that blood money from Saudi Arabia at the same time, like, there is a juxtaposition there, there's no fucking sh- uh, doubt about that, but, like, sore PFL, sore the UFC now as well, so they're all at it, you know, and we saw Rory McIlroy talking about it recently. Like you have to soccer, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's like there's no avoiding it almost at this stage and you saw Rory McIlroy talking about it so you know there's obviously a, deserves a certain amount of criticism for that but like he's a professional fighter at the end of the day and if there's like almost no way to fucking avoid it what can you do so I have a certain amount of sympathy over that but at the same time when you preach the way Francis has preached over the last few years you do deserve criticism for it as well but with that said he is going to earn a boatload of money like I, I think what's probably going to happen Graham I, and I don't know if you agree with this like I think he'll have one more boxing match probably do okay in it but lose it to say someone like a Joshua or a, or a Wilder maybe more you know well it'd have to be more comprehensively than this one if he did lose and um I think he'll struggle then maybe to get another big boxing match and then he'll come back and, and fight in MMA, I'd say, would be would be my call. But you never know with friends. Well, you know, it depends when it him. is. You know, a couple yeah. of months of training in boxing and he was able to do what he did. A few more months training, you know, haven't kind of felt the experience of it all will stand to him as well. Um, you know, if he goes in there against a, a Joshua, I think all the 99.9% of the pressure is on Joshua. And I don't know if Joshua, <laughs> from what the little I've seen, handles pressure very, very well. Um you know, uh, after that performance, I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule out Francis beating uh, somebody like a Joshua. You know, uh, so biggest issue though uh, is there's tape in Francis now, isn't there? There wasn't before. Like I feel like, yeah, but that's you know, that's a couple of months into boxing. Maybe you know, he'll he'll work on things that he, you know, his obviously his coach is going to go back and look at that, and there's loads of things that he could have done differently. That maybe you know, even though he, in my opinion, won, or at least you know, in every or in the judges' opinion, it was extremely close. Yeah, like I've never, you know me. I've never been that big of a fan of Anthony Joshua. I think he's he's stiff yeah, and me too. Um, he's not great. Yeah, but. yeah. So, but like, obviously, he's been in boxing his whole life, and Francis hasn't. But after that Tyson Fury performance, it's easy to say, "Oh, Tyson was terrible," and blah 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 blah. But he was made look terrible by what Francis did. If Francis wasn't so, you know, much better than everybody, and including Tyson, expected then you know uh, it would have been it would have been a completely different story he probably would have you know what most people thought he probably would have in there and got dominated or got finished but um, uh, and it would, it would have been hard, hard to argue with people saying that but now you know now would I be that surprised if Francis was able to land a big shot and, and put Joshua down and like he did Tyson yeah well if you put Tyson down surely you know he, he, he could make the not too too much of a stretch to say that he could do the same to no. I don't, like yeah. I do think the biggest thing uh, that led Francis Ngannou to win that bout was the element of surprise right but the element of surprise was how good he was you know so it's not just oh he surprised him he surprised him by like how unbelievably good he was the next boxer who boxes him will not be surprised by how good he is so that 
that is massive. Like Fury just got. Well, maybe they will though, because I'm saying because like if he doubles the amount of time that he's been putting into pure boxing in his whole life, yeah, that's but, like you know. I don't know. I yeah. I don't he know. seems to be a quick learner. He picked up MMA extremely quick. You know, he he seems to have picked up straight boxing, Queensbury rules, extremely quick as well. Yeah, but like, yeah, that that's fair. But like, I think what, what the difference is here, right? Everyone thought he'd be, and let's let's take a scale from one to hundred. Right? Everyone thought as a boxer he'd be. 10 out of 100, right? Turns out he was like 60 out of 100, maybe. Like, there's a big difference if he moves from 60 to 70 next time, you know, rather than you're uh, expecting to, 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 to fight a lad who's 5 out of 100 in boxing. You now have a guy who's 60 out of 100 in boxing. Even though you're maybe 90 out of 100 in boxing, that is a big issue for you because you weren't expecting it, probably weren't prepared for it, or prepared for a sparring match here. And the next guy who goes in there, even if they're 70, they might be better able to uh, be prepared for him because they are expecting a 60 out of 100 boxer, if that makes sense. But anyway, we'll... Uh, yeah, but also if like a fighter, a boxer opens up more against Francis, we didn't really see Tyson do that. Obviously, Francis might react and be able to counter brilliantly or it might the pressure might, you know, overwhelm him. We we don't really know. Because it's intriguing though, isn't it? Styles like, make fights and yeah. yeah, and yeah. It's, it's when you have a big kind of equalizer of, of massive power like Francis does as well, it, it, once the opponents feel that power, you know, it, it makes you think twice. So yeah, like uh, obviously if you, before the Tyson fight, I would have picked uh, a potential a potential future bout against Joshua in Joshua's favor, but probably still would. But now I'm thinking, you know, this could go either way and I'm, I'm definitely a lot more interested uh going into ahead of one of these bouts the uh, potential bouts that, than I was before the, the Tyson bout because yeah. as you said I think I'm like I underestimated how Francis would do I think you know it's it's <laughs> I think it was the the kind of um, and until we saw that there was no other really position to take Absolutely. but now that we've seen that you know it's yeah. it's 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 like I can't I can't wait to see what Francis does next. Like hopefully, you know I, I want to see him come back to MMA at some stage. Hopefully PFL can get some kind of opponent that's like not just you know uh, a guy to to keep him active or to to go in there and showcase. Hopefully they can find somebody you know who who's a challenge to him. But in the meantime, I'm 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 intrigued to see him box these uh, these top heavyweight boxers. It'd be just like MMA, wouldn't it, for him to go back to MMA fight and lose to Dennis Golsov? <laughs> that'd be that'd be the most MMA thing ever, wouldn't it? But no, I I, I think uh, <laughs> uh, like Eddie Hearn is probably the the biggest scumbag in in uh, in combat sports, and he will love to try to get an easy quote unquote easy matchup for Anthony Joshua to learn him. Why why, why is he the biggest? I don't follow boxing. But why is he the biggest comeback? That's that's just my opinion, really. I just I just, I just think he is. He rubs you the wrong he, way. Ah, he's one of these dirty rotten scoundrels, and the the way he has treated Katie Taylor over there. And it's funny, right? I was talking about Katie Taylor there a few months ago, and was like. You know, everyone's like, oh, he's he's a promoter so brilliantly. Look where she is now. And I'm like, Katie Taylor was a star in Ireland when Eddie Hearn got her. And she's headlined like two or three cards since he has taken over as her promoter. It took like five, I don't know, five or six years or something like that. She's now like years past her prime and finally gets like two big paydays. And uh, everyone's like, what are you talking about? He had to build her up. She was unknown and all of this. And then he went down like the overlap um, with uh, with Gary Neville and said exactly what I said. He was like, oh, you know, we, we, we didn't get her a big fight 
fight until the last two and now she, this is her time and I'm like so he just exactly admitted what I fucking said and I, I hate that because I love Katie Taylor I think she's absolutely brilliant and he fucking ruined like if Katie Taylor had been taken over by a proper promoter who's looking out for her best interest and not just trying to put her on one of his fucking Doncaster cards or whatever they could have had her in Ireland every fucking six months and I know the boxing ban in Ireland and everything like that but if you got like UK fighters or American fighters or whatever I want and didn't have the MTK fighters let's put it that way on the, on the cards you could have fucking run shows in the tree arena and you could have done that you could earn a shitload of money and had, have basically K- Katie Taylor as a six monthly draw in the tree arena and done it that way and had, had her earn a shitload of money but no you didn't do that because you're a shit promoter and you fucking silver spoon in your mouth that you got from your daddy and all of this and yeah I don't like Eddie Hearn anyway <laughs> Jeez, I didn't follow boxing. I, I I don't really know, but yeah. Um, from what I've seen, kind of said, oh, you know, women's boxing has kind of only come popularized recently. It's you know, obviously in Ireland and in the amateurs, we were following Katie Taylor for for a lot of years, and you know, we'd be on RT News and beyond when she's in the when she was in the Olympics, it would be on it'd be on TV here. But yeah, I think. You know the obviously the Ronda Rousey explosion and all showed that like you know um, people are are are, entertain, are willing to pay and entertained and they don't care if it's male or female in 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 MMA and in boxing maybe there's more kind of uh, long-standing views you know of of you know a woman shouldn't be at the top of a card and things like that I don't yeah, really follow, like- follow boxing that much but maybe some of that was playing in and maybe there was a bit of pushback mm-hmm. and things like that but. Yeah, Katie Taylor. I'm I'm glad she's getting paid now, but I think you could see in her last bout that she hasn't got the oh, the movement, the pep in her step. And, yeah, yeah. I know. Like the weird thing is, right? You're probably saying, "Ah, oh, Sean, that's unrealistic or whatever." Like. Bellator have done exactly what I was talking about there. Like Bellator put on a February show and a September show and have for what six of the last seven years, something like that, with, a, with COVID aside. You know, <laughs> they've done it. You could. You're telling me you couldn't have sold the amount of tickets that Bellator have sold with Katie Taylor as a headliner for 10 shows or whatever it might be over the last five years. Of course you fucking could. Of course you could. Anyway, we're getting off MMA now. Let's get back to MMA. And let's talk about another brilliant Irish female world champion, Danny McCormack. I know you touched on it last week as well, but I have to I have to mention it on, on this podcast. It'll be remiss of us not to... Jesus, what a performance from Danny. Like, just absolutely brilliant just took her opponent down beat her up on the ground finished her cut a great promo afterwards it was really everything that you i i was going to use the word expect there but you you hoped almost you know you you hoped this would happen if you're danny if you're an irish mma supporter you're kind of like jesus can she do this you know she i, I spoke to her obviously before and then this was her plan and i'm like jesus that's going to be tough now you know she fought this opponent before obviously lost her i know it was an amateur five years ago but still it's it's not easy to get over that and she did it she i thought she dominated the fight from pillar to post look good uh in doing it you know beat her up with a, with a few shots on the feet, got the takedown and got the finish really, really quickly on the ground. And it's looked like it looks like Danny has gone to the next level. I know you've talked about it uh, with with Ian Graham, but I, I definitely wanted to mention here what a performance from Danny it was brilliant, wasn't it? 
Yeah, it was, you know, uh, she went in there and she just made it difficult. You know, she was in her face. She was landing shots. She pushed up against the cage. And even when she couldn't get the takedown, she was just relentless with it. She was landing small shots and just making it really difficult for her opponent. And uh, her opponent couldn't really get off. But then in the third round towards the end, maybe you could argue that she, she might have taken that round as a really close third, third round. And, you know, uh, she she wasn't giving up easy, you know. But Danny straight away in that fourth round got a beautiful takedown and straight to the back and, and got, the, got the finish. And, you know, uh, as we were saying, I was the same with Ian. You know, this this Invicta belt has been she's she's equals the the most defenses. And if she, if if she doesn't get the call for the UFC next, and she fights and defends her belt again, then that'll be the the most defense, the most uh, title defenses for that belt ever. So, like you know, this is a this this is a big achievement, and maybe you know a lot of people don't pay attention to Victor Invicta or, or you know uh, in Ireland and things like that but you know some of the, the names that have come through there over the years like the who's who and obviously it's changed since the UFC started their own division and, and things like that but if you're an Invicta champion you, you usually nearly always end up going to the UFC so you know Danny I think you you know it'd be unfortunate for her if she had to defend again but if she does have to defend again then she has that history as well so it's not it's not it's not as it's not um you know it's not ufc or nothing at the moment if uh, you know i think she said in her interview that she'd love to you know make that history and defend that belt and it, it would be a huge achievement but if this ufc show that's been rumored in, in dublin for a while now if that does happen at some stage next year you would surely think that the ufc would sign her but you know there's a lot of irish guys now so um uh, signed to the UFC and you know people like Paul Hughes still haven't been signed so there's no guarantees so uh, for Danny obviously sitting and waiting she tried that before it didn't really work so just to get on with it if the UFC just to get on with it as if you're going to fight uh, in, in Victor again and if the UFC come calling and you know and you you, you take the fight then that's, that's phenomenal but you know we, we've seen that we're waiting around and especially at Danny's age you know, she's not getting any younger um, I, I'd love to see her get a shot in the UFC, but uh, and you would have said historically that this would be the the logical next step, and that it's nearly definitely going to happen. But these days, you just never know. But I do think if the UFC Dublin show comes, that will increase her chances a lot. And you know, I'd love to see her in there. Her you know, the best performance of her career, everything mixed together so well. You know, the the boxing was was on point. The the, the the grappling uh, against the cage and landing the small shots and her take when she did get the takedown you know she, the killer instinct straight to the back choke her opponent unconscious just it, it seems like everything clicked for her and it seems like right now she's more ready than she's ever been for the UFC so you know if she was if she was to if she was to get signed I could see her doing very well against a lot of a lot of the girls in her division obviously you know, time will tell. It's a different, you know, making a UC debut, step up, the dream. There's extra pressure and things like that. But uh, I think she's ready. 100%. I like, I think the thing with Danny is, right, some people are signed. Let, let's say the UFC do come to Dublin and, uh, okay, maybe we're in a different situation now because, as you said, there's a lot of people signed. But let's say they were coming, there was only three or four people, uh, Irish people, on, on the UFC roster. They probably signed one or two more, you know, to kind of fill out the card maybe with with a Dublin car, uh, with, a, with the Irish contingent. But I think Danny has reached a stage now where she, no matter what her nationality is, she is ready and good enough to be in the UFC. Like, she, her last two opponents are very, very, very good fighters who could be in the UFC. Like, you look at that UFC division and they're like, there are, it's good at the top of the division, but you look at, say, the lower, 
half of the division even and it's not as if you've killer after killer after killer like a lightweight or even like a featherweight or somewhere like that where it's maybe hard to get in there like she should be in there she absolutely deserves to be in there there's no shred or doubt about it like she is one of the top 20 25 uh, 115 pounders in the world at the moment and can she go further well we'll see about that but still there's there's no doubt about it that she should be in the UFC. Like, she's proved that over her last two fights. This is not conjecture uh, by us or Irish favoritism or anything like that. Her last two wins have been so good in two brilliant fights as well that there's there's no doubt about it. That, like, Danny McCormack is a UFC-caliber fighter in terms of her ability, in terms of how much she's earned it, in terms of the the level of fighter she's fought, and in terms of the fun fights she's putting on as well, because that's what the UFC won. Like the bloody war she had a couple of fights ago. This one, to, to go in there and get the finish after taking her opponent apart for a few rounds, that's that's what you want. Like she called out McMahon afterwards. Brilliant. Plus she had the best post fight interview ever after. So she she gave me a shout out and everything as well. So you know that, that, you, you you can't bet it. You can't bet it. But uh, yeah, congratulations to Danny. What a performance. And um, you know if it's not the UFC next, maybe 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 Invicta do that Irish show and we, we see that. But I think it should be the UFC next. Right, Graham. Let's talk about uh, last night's fights. <laughs> they're in, they're in a whole lot to talk about the the main event. Um, it reminded me of that Corey Sandhagen fight from a few months ago where it was a dominant, brilliant performance, let's say, about that, but doesn't do a whole lot for you. You went in there and you went five rounds with Derek Lewis uh, as an up-and-coming heavyweight, and it doesn't look amazing. Like I think the biggest problem here was he took Lewis down, and he was like, right, I'm going to submit him here. And then I just think Lewis was too big for him to submit. Like, he couldn't choke him. He couldn't rear naked choke him. He couldn't arm triangle him. And then he's like, oh, shit, what am I going to do here? He opened up a couple of times, but then he got tired in the third. And he's like, oh, shit, I, I, I can't open up too much. Or Derek Lewis is going to be able to stop my takedowns. I'm just going to conserve energy a bit here and continue to take him down and get to decision. Which, look... Was probably smart to fight IQ in a, in a way from him because even even when Derek Lewis was landing like little kind of rabbit punches in in scrambles, they looked they looked pretty powerful, you know. And he's dangerous, and you know uh, when he's on the feet. But Derek Lewis on the ground, just that that full mount defense or complete lack of full mount defense was just awful. He was lying on his back flat like a, a dead person as as his uh, as his as his opponent takes full mount repeatedly on him. It's just oh my god. But having said that, you know. <laughs> As Almeida started getting tired, I was like, oh, the start of the next round, he could be in trouble here. But he, he always managed to to get it to this, the safety realm for himself. But yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was probably a, a good, safe, solid game plan, you know, and he got the job done against a dangerous guy. But in the in the main event, in your, you know, in your home country, kind of a spot to kind of go out there and maybe, you know, get a finish against somebody who's not really that good on the ground. It could have went better, but he did get out of there without being knocked out by Derek Lewis. So a lot of people can't say that. So at the end of the day, you know, he gets paid and he moves on. But I don't think, you know, it did much for him in terms of star power or or in terms of the UFC wanting to push him into bigger fights uh, as soon as possible. But, you know, m- maybe they will, you know, injuries here, uh, scheduling things, may- you know, maybe it will happen. But he didn't really, you know, knock down the door to the, to the top with that performance. If you're to take a positive from it, Graham, here, here will be my positive. Um, it's a heavyweight fight, right? And he went five rounds. And he showed in the middle of that that he was kind of gassing out a little bit. He got his second wind and he finished relatively well. I think 
that will stand to him in time. It'll, it'll maybe also show him, like, he watches back to that fight and go, Jesus, I'm going to have to work a, an extra little bit on this because I was getting very tired in there. I'm going to have to up the cardio uh, work or whatever it might be and, you know, improve that for, for future fights. Plus, he's now he's used to going to five rounds. He'll know it. So that, that would be the positive I would take from it. Um, I just wonder as well, like, because... Almeida is more of he's a tweener kind of between light heavyweight and heavyweight I, I just wonder if this might push him back down possibly like because you're, you're carrying that extra weight it, it, obviously it's going to be tougher to maintain the cardio and maintain the output for a longer time like when your game is to go in there take someone down and submit them that's all well and good against a certain level and you get to another level. No, Derek Lewis is not that. You know, as TNT Sports, Jiu-Jitsu King Derek Lewis, <laughs> Jiu-Jitsu brilliant jiu-jitsu, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu master Derek Lewis. Um, but like, let's say he goes in there, even at light heavyweight against, say, a Prohachka or at heavyweight against the Steep Bay or something like that. He's not just going to be able to take them down and submit them immediately. Like them lads are going to fight back and they're going to stop you from doing that. You know, so you need to have that extra bit of cardio. You need to have the ability to keep going for round after round after round. And you know, maybe this will stand him. But I think there's a lot of decisions to be made for Jalton and made over the last while. I saw some people writing him off and go, "Oh, if he can't submit Derek Lewis, how is he going to fare against Aspinall the top by?" I'm like, well, be careful, be careful what you're saying because, like, uh, you know, Derek Lewis is a weird one, right? It's I don't know, styles make fights and all that, but like, if you got the back against Tom Aspinall, right, and you went for a rear naked choke and you got the position where you were rear naked choking him, I believe you could rear naked choke Tom Aspinall, right? If you're Jolton Almeida, it's almost I like, and I said, and this is not uh, a general after battle. I said this in the preview show. I was like, it's going to be very hard to submit Derek Lewis. He doesn't really have a neck. Like I thought it'd be the head and arm choke. Maybe he wasn't able to get that either. It's very hard. I know Derek Lewis has only been submitted twice for a guy with the worst takedown defense in the fucking history of the UFC to only have been submitted twice. That says something, like you know. Um, and for a smaller guy, and I know he's not that small, but a smaller guy in stature, I think it was, uh, you know. This is this is one you almost write off in terms of his finishing ability on the ground. I think it was a weird fight, a bad fight, and all that. But I, I think the original off. matchup of Curtis Blades would be appropriate yes. to make again to kind of answer some of these questions when he can't just get takedowns at will, and and you know uh, maybe he can, but you know against somebody who's not known for really bad <laughs> takedown defense and really bad uh, defensive off his back jujitsu. So. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, remaking that Curtis Blades fight, if they can, in, in a few months would be probably what I'd like to see. Yeah, me too. I think that'd be uh, appropriate. Very good. Let's do that. Uh, the co-main event was, was without a shadow of a doubt that the better fight, um, Jesus Christ, Nicholas Albee's an absolute animal. And, like, uh, I just think you cannot, you cannot play with durability or cardio. You can't, you, like... If you have a clear yeah, a dirty fight with <laughs> Nicholas Dalby. advantage with your if you if you go into a fight knowing that you can go non-stop for three rounds and your opponent is not going to knock you out and you decide well okay I'm going to go through the fire and do that and just lose every second of the fight until I fucking win it then you're you're very hard to beat you're very fucking hard to beat and this was. 
this was genius from Nicholas Alby. Like, this was a brilliant fucking display. And, like, it's sometimes we say a genius display, and it's like, you know, a lovely jab and a lovely takedown or lovely backhand or, you know, technician kind of, yeah. But this was genius in terms of game planning, in terms of the ability to do it, in terms of the fucking balls to do it. Plus, the amount of work he's had to do to get his cardio levels up to where they are to be able to do this, the chin he has on him, the bravery, all of it. Like, this is... This is performance of the year level stuff for me from Nicholas Alby. And I, I like, maybe that, maybe people think I'm overstating it, but Gabriel Bonfim, he didn't give up either. Like, Bonfim was fighting back at him. He was landing massive shots. He actually did not wilt to the pressure for most of it. He really didn't. Yet Dalby kept coming and kept coming and kept coming and broke him. And the second he broke him, he upped the pace yet again and finished him. Unbelievable! This Graham, I know we watched Nicholas Dalby down through the years, but this was his best performance. I think I wouldn't write off write off Gabriel Gambonfim after this either. He just met a guy who refused to lose here, didn't he? This was fucking unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Like if, if Dalby had fought in another way, he probably would have. You know, he probably would have lost. Like uh, you know, the first round wasn't going as wasn't going great. You know, compared to to how it to how it ended. And I was saying, I think I was saying either to you or to Ian on on the podcast. You know, it's a. Uh, Bonfim is probably going to be the favorite here, but if Dobby can, you know, make it dirty and be relentless and get in his face, that's that's how he's going to win, and that's that's what he did. It's like you you have to play to your strengths, you know, and and he did. And obviously, when uh, with a game plan like that, you could be the one who ends up getting knocked out, but you you have to take that risk if you're gonna if you're gonna beat guys like like this. And absolutely phenomenal, you know. He as you said, he's just he's like a. I don't know what you compare him to, but he's just—he's like a honey badger. <laughs> he just—he just—he doesn't—he just, he wants to get hit, so so he can give one. You know, he wants to get into into that into that scrap and that relentlessness and back himself, and that's exactly what he did. And you know, bump him, show some good things in in, the, in his fight, and I definitely you know I expect to see him back and strong and a, a contender in the future. But you know. Uh, Nicholas Dalby just just put it on him as you said until relentlessly until he kind of couldn't take it anymore and and showed a you know we've seen guys who throw that that much output slow down and you know need to kind of take a little break and stuff but Dalby was just relentless and relentless and relentless and bump him just never got that kind of chance to to breathe towards the end and the the clinch knee was lovely and the the ground and pound was nasty and yeah it was just. It was an absolutely brilliant performance by Nicholas Dalby. We've seen him do similar things like this before, you know, uh, this kind of style of fight. But this was this was by far, in my opinion, the, the best performance of his career so far. Absolutely, absolutely brilliant. And you know, I, I, I said he had a chance going in, but I, I didn't expect him to look so good in, in in winning. He looked he looked absolutely phenomenal. Brilliant, Oliver. This was this was fantastic. I actually think Nicholas Dalby might be the most underrated fighter in the UFC. Like, if you look at his record, let, let me just uh, twenty three four and one. That's an incredible record, like for a guy who's like in the middle of the the top fifty of the fucking UFC welterweight rankings. That's absolutely incredible. Like, yeah. just and the, the three of those losses were in like a bad period yeah. in twenty sixteen to twenty eighteen. Yes. You know, uh, and he's he's come back so much stronger and so much better, and he's on an absolute tear since then. Only losing that decision to Tim Means. Yeah, he's won what is this of his last one it was one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve fights he's only lost one and there was a couple of no contests in there as well but he also went 14 and oh to start his career and then drew with darren till as you said those three losses in a row but if you take out those three losses in the middle 
He's only lost one fight out of fucking 20, what is it, 25 or whatever. That's massive. Absolutely. Like, that's an unbelievable record. And Nicholas Dalby has, I think we need to put some respect on the name of Nicholas Dalby. And it's not as if he's beaten guys who aren't any good either. Like, you know, Bamfim very good. He beat Muslim Salikov last time on. He's beat Warley Alves. He's beat Daniel Rodriguez. He beat Alex Cowboy Oliveira. He beat, you know, Philip Malpeter in Cage Warriors. Alex Lahore as well. He's been some very, very, very good guys down through the years. So yeah, put some name and put some respect on the name of Nicholas Dalby. Um, after that, then there wasn't a whole lot. If we're being honest, Rodrigo Nascimento beat Antelim Mays. He kind of destroyed him from pillar to post. And that one, Carbajalio and Abus Magomedov, uh, not the most exciting fight in the world ever. But I think Carbajalio did a good job of kind of using that Sean Strickland fight to let Megamedov kind of fight a little bit for the first round then up the pace uh, nearly got to finish late kind of but um, a very good display from Carl Bahalio. again to go three rounds with a guy at that level you know I've, I've liked Bahalio and Almeida for a few years now I think these lads are, are the future of those divisions and uh, a good you know a good 15 minutes for him there uh, Elvis Brinner knocked out uh, Kyan Khrushchevsky with the weirdest knockout I've seen in a long time. Did you see this, Graham? Like, hit him on the side of the ear. I don't know. It looked it looked very odd. But Elvis Brenner is a very good fighter. And um, he goes on in that uh, as well. And anything else in the undercard, Graham? I didn't see the rest of it, to be honest. I was watching Bruce um, Greg. <laughs> what happened? Yeah. Go on. Man, the first fight of the night was Mark Chikese. You know, he he pretty much dominated, uh, in my opinion, and then it ended up being a split decision in the end. But I don't know what what happened there. But uh, the first round was relatively close. Uh, uh, second and third round, I thought Chikese just completely took over. Was able to get takedowns, um, just dominated, and uh, you know, obviously. Um, I, I wasn't watching with a fine two comb, but I was very, very surprised to to hear a split decision there. But obviously, uh, Mark got his uh, got his hand raised in the end, and an important win for him. You know, if he he's a really talented guy that we've been following for for a long time in in Bama and in, in UFC and all that stuff. But he he you know he'd lost to Michael Johnson and Joel Alvarez in a row there. So that if he hadn't won this fight, it could have been it could have been you know see you later. Uh, so there's a lot of pressure on there. He went in and got the job done in a dominant fashion, in, in, in my opinion anyway, and uh, I think in most people's opinion, and got back in the wing column. And maybe it wasn't the most flashy performance. It wasn't throwing, you know, landing crazy kicks like we've seen him do in the past, but he needed that win. He got that win and, you know, a bit of pressure off. Maybe can uh can relax a little bit in terms of, of you know, his contract with the UFC. And he's one of these guys that, he has so much talent and he has so much so many tools in his arsenal he just he need, there hasn't been that fight where he's put it all together perfectly yet and maybe it will never happen but you know uh, uh, there's been glimpses of it and I think I think he can do it you know I, 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 I it's just a little in between bits maybe or a couple of little decisions here or there that you know he just needs to iron out and he, you know he, he could be a very difficult uh, opponent for for anybody but it's it's an important it's a massive win for him you know it's a massive win for him uh he's he's had a very up and down last last two or three years and um uh, you know and you've been following a guy for a lot of time you kind of you, you root for them a little bit, a little bit more than than maybe uh, you know just a random first fight on a on a prelim and things like that. But uh, I think uh, I, I I hope Mark you know uh, gets a. I, I'd like to see him kind of build up. I, I don't I don't want to see him go in there against like a, a Fizzy again or 
you know, things like that, or a Dan Hooker, or even even a Drakkar Close. I'd like to see them build them up and give them a give them a bit of time to. I know he's been in the UFC a long time, but it feels to me like with the right stretch of fights, he could really he could really show what he's made of. But maybe that's a bit of a, a bias, though. But like you know, he's shown he's shown so good. Uh, he's, he's he's had such good performances against people like Joe Duffy and Lando Venata and you know uh, his early UFC fights as well. So. Uh, he, the talent is definitely there the ability is definitely there it's just about putting it all together and yeah 100% like it I, we've seen him doing it all like remember that time the Daniel Carvey and all the guys were like absolutely breathed by the fact that he could wrestle like this guy can wrestle he can strike he can do it all so as you said if he wants to put it together absolutely like we and we've seen guys down confidence and momentum and stuff like that yeah. is, is big you know we we, we kind of don't talk about it as much but it's huge and you know I'd love to see him get a stretch of fight where he could get that momentum get that confidence and you know see if he can do if he can do it at the level we think he can do it without a shadow of a doubt uh, anything else from the undercard there Victor Petrino got a lovely knockout over Modestus Bukowskis uh, there was a, a majority draw between uh, Zaleski Dos Santos and Renat Fakrodinov as well Angela Hill got a win over Denise Gomez I was kind of surprised with that one but good, good for Angela fair play to her there and uh, Eduarda Maura beat Conejo Ruiz so fair play to all of them congratulations um Octagon Graham um, I know you were watching some of this saw the, the Irish guys just the, the top fights there um, Aaron Aby was ahead in his fight against Elias Garcia but it got a really bad cut and was stopped after the second round I believe uh, yeah he got the cut in the first round the yes. doctor came in checked it said he was good to go and he upped the pressure he upped the pace I think he knew that this is maybe a ticking time bomb this, uh, this cut and he tried to up the pay, tried to get the finish, but he he couldn't. And you know the cut was was pretty bad. In fairness, but uh, I don't know. Uh, I uh, maybe it's just um, uh, I'm, I'm like uh, desensitized to it. But I I'd like to see that fight go on longer. To be honest, uh, when it's one of those cuts, though, it's like an X cut. You know, it's not just a straight cut. But it was an X cut in the first round, and he was I know, continue, that, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. But I think the doctor kind of. Uh, I was talking to someone who was there and they, they kind of said like the doctor was like he'll give him around and see what he can do uh, and like you know give him a bit of an opportunity which I don't know is by the, not it's not the doctor's the, job not really but you know he gave him the opportunity he wasn't able to um, yeah cuts are always a bit weird right because if this was boxing or whatever that'd be stopped straight away with that cut but in MMA as you said we're kind of desensitised to it but yeah it's a tough one look they'll probably do the rematch anyway I think with AB you know winning the fight so we'll, we'll see how that goes Scott Askin got a win in as well uh, I think Ian Dean put up a tweet about it he, he compared him to kind of Peter Queeley the, the, the UK's version of Peter Queeley who's been around and done it all for years and it was good to see him get another win in there was um, a no contest you, you see this uh, flying knee to the balls um, <laughs> yeah. Con and Jacob Bachnik uh, that was that was insane uh, then there was some celebrity match that we're not going to talk about then Jack Cartwright beat Junior Assis uh, he nearly snapped his arm off here with a fucking Americana took this in short notice so it's been a while since I've been in Americana has yeah. there been kind of out of fashion Americanas Americana Americana do we need one of them you, you need your own <laughs> Americana it doesn't doesn't quite work like Armbar, but yeah. yeah, yeah, there aren't many of them. There aren't many, but I love them. George, uh, tell us about this one, then, Graham. George stands and Dennis Frimpong after coming off the show. The show was great fun. Like I think Dennis came across pretty well, and but uh, George stands top prospect got the win here. Yeah, there's a bit of bad blood here, and George Stane just came in and you know uh, played played his game, stuck to his game plan, got takedowns, didn't land 
too many big shots on top, but consistently landing punches, you know, ground and pound punches, nothing much in most of them, but enough to, to you know, frustrate and, and win the rounds. And uh, strangely enough, it was a five round fight. I know it was the, the finale or whatever, but, you know, when you're second ever, first ever and second ever pro fight going, going five rounds is, is a bit odd. For I me. hate that. I hate five round fights in the domestic level. I just don't like them at all. These lads are not getting paid enough. Uh, yeah. Especially this early in your career, I, I don't like five rounds at all. But anyway, yeah, George Saint just stuck to the stuck to the game plan on top and ended up getting the guillotine choke in about halfway through the fourth round. And there was a still a bit of bad blood afterwards. He threw a couple of rabbit punches <laughs> to the body of, of Dennis after the after the fight. But it seemed that they kind of chatted it out and uh, seemed uh, more friendly by the end. But you know, uh, it's a big stage for for both of the guys. For Dennis, obviously, it's it's just, he's moved to zero and two as a professional. But he showed that. You know he's uh, he, he's got lots of room for development, and this will stand to him. And you know he'll obviously go back and and work on his on his takedown defense and his uh, maybe ability to get back up off the ground or to you know he, he did try him with a few submissions earlier early on maybe came half close to an armbar triangle kind of sequence. But yeah, um, you know it's it's so early in these guys' career. It's a big spot. He went in there. He you know he he did a great job on the show as you said. He created a bit of hype. He created interest um yeah he, he definitely needs to, to go in there and win his next one you don't want to go to zero and three but i think there's enough there to show that he that he has a lot of potential going forward yeah no doubt about it um the other irish guy in the card aaron mcdonald he lost to hasin who was uh, also on the show the two of them were on the show and, and uh, hasin kind of was the he, i would describe him as the diego sanchez of this show <laughs> this show maybe and i think if people know what that means they'll know but uh yeah he got the win there uh yeah, it was, was a close fight as well you know yeah. aaron mcdonald making his pro debut going in against a guy who was five professional fights already and was, was you know four and one at the time five and one now and he put up a good fight he, he you know he definitely showed potential as well and you know pro debut like this in a big spot as well with Stantia all, all the same things we said about Dennis really but uh, yeah um, you know uh, obviously it wasn't ideal for, for, for both guys to lose but I think you know this early in your career and you know the, the spotlight that it gave you and the experience and the, the kind of big show feel and things like that and a bit of pressure, extra pressure that you probably haven't felt in your amateur career or, or things like that is, is all good experience with Stantia going forward Indeed. And there was a fight as well. Shimrock was supposed to fight Yaroslav Pokorny and that was oh, yeah, cancelled. Did you see that? Yeah. Shimrock yeah, kicked body him kick at the, the, at the way in. Absolutely oh ridiculous. God. Yeah. Why, also, why was he representing Ireland? Like, they couldn't have found someone Irish to be the Irish coach with Paddy Hoolan on the show. Like, you have to get some guy from Liverpool. I thought that was very weird. Like, Shamrock, come on. Like, Shamrock, Shamrock. Yeah, it's, good enough, it's good enough. You're doing <laughs> Ireland versus England and you have some English lad on the Irish coach. It's like, what? Come on, you surely could have got someone else, like you know, give, give you know, get Neil Siri a couple of weeks off work and give him a few grand, and he would have gone out. Neil Siri would have the fuck off. <laughs> you would have done a grand. You're telling me you wouldn't have gone to Bratislava for a few weeks, you know? Come on, no, come no on, way. fucking ridiculous. Anyway, yeah, I, like Octagon. I, I I want to like Octagon more, but they, I don't know. It's they make it hard Octagon a little bit as well, like the. I went to look at, so I was catching up on the card and I went to look at under um, Twitter for a few videos and stuff. I'm like, they almost had none. There was very little. And they were like from the crowd and stuff. Like, post fucking videos of the fights and the knockouts and stuff. But uh, yeah, anyway, not bad. Good card. All that. Um, the other card of the weekend 
was one championship who had uh, four mixed martial arts fights on their card as well as actually they had the uh, the champion at one thirty five in MMA fighting John Haggerty, the Mai Tai champion. Or former Mighty champion, is he? I'm not sure. Uh, in for the kickboxing title, and uh, Haggerty absolutely destroyed him. And Draj lost there, so he'll be back. Maybe fighting John Lineker next in, in mixed martial arts. Um, then they had Halil Amir, who beat Ahmed Mushtaba, who was the guy who lost to Sage last time. Um, <laughs> I know you saw this, Graham, right? But it was an even enough fight for about four and a half minutes. And in the last half minute of the fight, Halil Amir got on top and just destroyed Mushtaba with shots. And like it should have been finished with about 15 seconds left. But Herb Dean obviously knew the end of the round was coming and just waited, right? And Mushtaba got 15 seconds of just the most hellacious ground around you could ever see. And Herb didn't stop it and let it go to the end of the round. And then the fight was stopped between rounds. <laughs> Just the most he, he, he didn't learn ever. from the, the rock old Wildman incident anyway. <laughs> he did not indeed, yeah. This was it was pretty bad, but um good win for Halilimir. He goes to ten and oh no top 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 prospect. Um Scarfold Americana. These Americanas are coming back with, with yeah. Uh, vengeance. Um, it, 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 yeah, well I suppose it was more of a Scarfold I yeah, Mayora against Mungbo. I thought Mungbo would win the fight. Like Mayora is an unbelievable wrestler and very good on the ground. Sorry. An unbelievable jiu-jitsu player, not the best wrestler, terrible on the feet, but she fought um, Jing Nang Shan last time out, the champion, the dominant champion there, and she literally, not last time out, but a couple of fights ago, I think, and just like literally couldn't take her down for 25 minutes, so I was like, oh, Mang Ball will probably win this because she's good, but the, and this, these fights were in a ring, and Mayora tried to take her down immediately, and Ming Bo like reversed, landed on top but kind of like in maybe north-south or whatever, and as Mayura was holding on to one leg and just landed a ferocious amount of ground pound between her, right? But they were caught in the ropes, and like Mangbo was like outside the ropes, and the referee had to stop him, bring him inside the ropes, and then she just wasn't able to land the same amount of ground and pound, got overturned, Miura got her on top, got to like that head and arm position, you know, the Ronda Rousey uh, position kind of, and then got the scarf fall from there. But I honestly think if that fight was in a cage, Mangbo would have finished her in the first minute, but instead she got uh, Americana, it wasn't great. Like, and the, the the ring really helps the grapplers. We saw that in the Bintain and King uh, uh, Kang Ji Won fight as well, uh, whereas Bintain and he fights out of Curtis Blades' gym. He's like a Canadian national wrestling champion. Uh, and Kang is like this unbelievable striker, but he kept taking him down. In the end, Kang got so tired, he kind of just gave up to a choke that wasn't fully in. Uh, but Ben Heinen, I'd love to see him fight Buchecha next time out. I think that'd be fun. And then um, in the rematch, Lito Adiwang beat Jeremy Miado uh, with a, a pretty dominant decision there in, in that one. Although, well, when I say dominant decision... This is one of those ones where the first round was dominant and the second two were close. Like, if this happened in America, I think Miado might have actually won the decision 29-28. But when this is scored as a whole, uh, Adamang was definitely going to win the fight. He knocked him down with a big left hook early. So, a good win for him there. And if you're um, a kickboxing fan, there was a big upset. Supergirl lost to Christina Morales, an absolute destruction there. And if you're also a kickboxing fan, watch round two of Rui Botelho against uh, the fighting rooster, uh, Pai Man Zhang. That second round was an War beyond war, fucking round of the year was absolutely brilliant. So, yeah, I I I become a kickboxing and Muay Thai fan here, Graham as well. It's brilliant, fantastic. Uh, the footboxing, yeah, the jujitsu was absolutely shite, fucking so boring, very bad. Next week, Graham, let's look ahead to it. UFC two nine five, no longer John Jones um, against. 
Steven Miocic. Now the headliner is the light heavyweight title, Yuri Prachka against Alex Pereira and Sergei Pavlovich against Tom Aspinall. Um, funny how we have four lads fighting for the title and none of them are the champion, which is a bit, definitely a bit odd. Um, I, I really cannot tell how these two fights are going to go. I really can't. And that's brilliant. Ew. Will Pocaccia go for loads of takedowns, you think? That's what I'm um maybe kind of most wondering about because you know he's known for going out there and finishing guys as well, but you know, the the safest route in, in my opinion seems to be, you know, if you can frustrate Alex, even push him up against the cage or get the get the takedown, surely that's the that's the, the kind of historic game plan to beat a, a kickboxer who hasn't been, you know, doing MMA for maybe a, uh, as long. Um, yeah, if if it stays on the feet, it, it should be an absolute war and, you know, you, you'd probably have to go with Perea, but if, if Prokachka can get takedowns, then, you know, uh, I don't know if, if <laughs> Alex Perea's defensive jiu-jitsu game, game is very good, so yeah, it's, it's hard to know how this fight is going to look. I think a lot depends on uh, how Prokachka game plans and if he if he sticks to his game plan only seven or sorry only three submission wins for Prohachka in his career not exactly like he's gone out there submitting people all the time or anything like that hasn't got yeah, one he's not knocking guys out early though you yeah. know as, as well so yeah well he's submitted Glover but it's a good while since he's had one since that but um I, I, like my feeling is he's going to strike with him you know he's a bit of a mad bastard like Prochka is and I feel like he will but we'll, we'll see I, I think you know with, with the with the belt on the line you know yeah, uh, yeah. it would make a lot of sense to just go in there and you know fight the path of least resistance but it's not really his game as well so if, if it was to try that and it wasn't to work out maybe it would you know leave him tired and very vulnerable on the feet yeah I, uh, I, I just wonder you know how Pereira will deal with someone who is bigger, taller, you know, powerful as well, as athletic as him in a, you know in a division that is up from the division he was fighting. At. And I know he's a ma- he was a massive middleweight, but uh, it's such an intriguing fight. Like it's a, it's it's a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant fight. And check out the um, UFC preview show with Harry and Ian this week, and they'll break it down, obviously, in, in great detail, and we'll be speaking about it more as the week goes, but I, I love that fight. I think the Pavlovich-Aspinall um, fight as well, like, I feel like Pavlovich's big power punch down the middle is something that if Aspinall can avoid and use his athleticism and his speed, maybe, and try to outbox him, there can be a meditative victory there. I just wonder if Pavlovich, like, if he will throw in a takedown as well. And, and like, I, I feel like both of these fights are going to be stand-up fights. But I feel like he might throw in one. Like, I, people seem to talk a lot about Aspen and go, oh, his jiu-jitsu is brilliant and all that. But, like, we're talking about heavyweight jiu-jitsu. Like, I think if Pavlovich did get on top, I think it could be trouble for Aspinall. But, again, I, I, I find it very hard to know exactly, like, where these lads are, like, but both of them, they haven't fought the top level yet. Like, okay, Pavlovich beat Blades, he beat Tuivasa and Lewis and all of that. But, like, they, they just haven't got to that stage yet where they're fighting the, the top, top guys. Same with Asman. He beat Volkov and he beat Spivak and he beat um, Tibora and Arlovsky and a few more. But he hasn't fought the top level level just because there isn't really a lot of the top, top level in the heavyweight division. And you don't really know until they're tested at that level how good they actually are. So 
I suppose we'll. And we'll Tom's coming, out. like you know, he's one, only one fight back off. You know, he what was it? Less than a round back from a bad knee injury against Curtis Blades. Yes. So I don't, you know, haven't had any knee injuries myself, and you know, other professional sports guy people we see. You know, sometimes it takes a long time to actually get back to that full hundred percent. Um, after such a serious kind of injury and surgery and all that stuff, but. Yeah, this is a this is a really interesting fight. I I think most of us will be on on the feet as well. Um, and you know, uh, maybe Aspinall is a bit more technical, a bit more fast, but the power is you know is an equalizer, especially at heavyweight as well. So, this in my opinion, this fight could go either way. It's really hard for me to pick. I'd probably if it was at a free bet and it was fifty fifty, I'd probably lean towards Tom. But yeah, I think this is a. It's a big, big test for him. It's a big step up, and you know, if if he if he is not a hundred percent in his knee and and things like that, then you know that could play a factor. But assuming assuming he's he's you know a hundred percent, yeah, I think I'd probably lean towards Tom. But uh, yeah, this this fight could go yeah, as you said. If he, it could, we could see takedowns mixed in. We could see adversity and things like that. And you know, at heavyweight, we could see either guy go down early. Um, yeah, it's, it's a hard one to pick, but I'd, I'd probably lean towards Tom. Yeah, I think I'd probably lean towards Pavlovich, to be honest, but we'll we'll see on that one, sure, I suppose, next week. Um, Andrade McKenzie Dern, that's... I know Andrade has been on kind of a bad run lately. I just feel like she's a pretty bad matchup for McKenzie Dern, to be honest. Like, McKenzie Dern, we all kind of want her to be good, but, like, is she actually that good? I'm not sure. Like, I feel like... I feel like... The, I was looking at the betting odds last night. Let me just pull them up here quickly, if I can. And, um... Mackenzie Dern was a big favourite here. I'm kind of like, mm, should she be that big of a favourite? I'm I'm not so sure. Let's look at here. Mackenzie Dern minus two two five plus one six three. So not that not a massive favourite or anything like that. Yeah. But I, 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 I think like it's Andrade. because of the three losses in a row, like getting finished three times in a row uh, for Andrade. You know, um, it's it, you know she's she's in there against in her last fight against Tatiana Suarez and she loses by guillotine choke. There's no shame in that. You're fighting the the top girls. You know what I mean. And Mackenzie Dern has kind of had a a little bit of hand picked fights throughout her throughout her UFC career and she's had time to develop from just a jiu jitsu girl and she definitely has like added roundedness to her game but on the feet she's still a bit clunky and her takedowns aren't the best and uh, obviously once she gets on top she's she's dominant but she isn't quite the finisher that she was when she was you know um, starting her career against maybe less experienced girls like that and you know Andrade's been in there with the with the top contenders and I wouldn't be surprised if, if she got it done either you know um just a couple of fights ago, Mackenzie Dern was was losing, was losing, you know, losing one, winning one, and things like that. So uh, I think, yeah, like I, 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 this is a fifty fifty fight to me. I don't see why, as you said, if if Mackenzie Dern's a, a big uh, favorite, I, I don't really see the logic there. But obviously, if if somebody's coming off three losses and kind of on the downturn of their career, that's where the the thinking is. But these are against you know top level girls and. Um, <sighs> We've seen her on. We've seen her be dangerous on the feet, and uh, Mackenzie Dern hasn't really, hasn't really faced that test yet. Um, you know, Angela Hill's a bit of a kind of pit pat, stay on the outside. It's always going to go to a decision. Um, Jessica Andrade is more of a. You know, she's going to make it difficult, and we're. And it, 
I'm not sure how Mackenzie Dern's going to react. Yeah, I, I find it hard to pick this one as well. There's a lot of fights on this card where it's hard to know how it's going to look and how it's going and who's going to win. It's a really good card. I um, I do have my favor Andrade in that one, if I'm being honest. But this Pat Sabatini Diego Lopez fight when we we're doing the state of the UFC last week, uh, Brandsetter was talking about Diego Lopez and how he reckons you know he's a, a very good prospect. And uh, to be honest, I like Sabatini an awful lot. So that's a very good fight. Matt Fravola and Benoit Saint Someone's getting sparked in that, I think. <laughs> you know, Favola has been on a great run recently, and everyone likes Benoit Santani. Like, I, I don't know. Some, someone's getting sparked. That's a great fucking fight. I like uh, the Jared Garden Marco Madsen fight. I don't think that's going to be a classic in terms of fight at night or anything like that, but it's going to be a tough battle in there. Dennis Bazooka is back. He's getting another chance here fighting out of. Um, Matt Sarah's gym, if I'm not mistaken, didn't have a great fight last time out, but um, Nazim Sadikov did against Vladislav Boroshev. Uh, uh, he was the guy who was in the, the Contender Series, fought Chikasi and all, and whoever and thought he was going to be a top prospect, me included, and he hasn't had a great run, but I, I still I still have hope for him, and we'll see how it goes, Lupi, because Kadinas uh, is on the card against Tabitha Ricci, and uh, a few more as well. So, you know, Steve Ersig, who um, I believe lost last time out, if I'm not mistaken. No, he didn't. He didn't. He's on. He's on a good run. He. Uh, he's a real top prospect coming out of uh, of uh, Australia. So looking forward to seeing him as well in there. Pretty good card overall. Um, there's also next week a KSW card and a Cage Warriors card. Graham, most interested, I suppose, the Irish people is the main event. Emil Brown is f- uh, fighting Janice Bashar for the welterweight title, and if Emil Brown wins that, uh, he's lost to James Sheehan. So James Sheehan coming off a very good win last time out could be next in line for the title. So that's a big one there. Darren Stewart is in the co-main event against Adilson Franca. Darren Stewart is coming off of three wins in a row now, so very very interesting there to see how he goes uh, in that one. Will Flor Will Flor Will Curry is coming back here against Wallace and Hernandez, and a fight I fucking absolutely love. Sean De Silva at five and zero is taking on Gerardo Fanny, who is a former title challenger, thirteen and three massive test for him. Also, Graham Matthias Figlak is coming back from his loss to uh, to Chadwick. Sorry, not to Chad to uh, Wallhead, uh, Jimmy Wallhead uh, for the interim title. Um, almost a year to the day. Uh, and uh, again, also for the Irish fans, Sinead Newland uh, is making her pro debut here uh, against uh, Sao, I believe. Um, and I was at one of Sinead's early fights in her career. She's been someone who has had a lot of amateur fights kickboxing all of that sort of stuff and been around for a, a good while earned her way I think she moved over to the UK and has been training over there for a while but you know an SPG fighter at heart as well um, and I'm very very excited to see her you know it's been a fantastic time for women's MMA in Ireland and uh, to have another debuting pro here is absolutely fantastic so uh, best of luck to uh, to Sinead there and uh, you know that's kind of a, a sneaky good Cage Warriors card if we're being honest like a lot of those fights came together pretty late I think the Cage Warriors have had a lot of cards recently and they have another one coming up in Newcastle in a couple of weeks so you know it's 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 tough it's tough to get all these fights together for um, Ian Dean and the lads but they've done a good job of it Right, Graham. Any any final uh, final thoughts before we go? Any anything to, to to throw out there before we before we leave it? No, I don't. I don't think we missed anything. Obviously, it's a bit disappointing that the the Jones and Stipe fight isn't happening. Um, but you know, these things happen. They do indeed. <laughs> yeah, they do indeed. 
that's weird as well that the fact that they still want to put on Jones and Zipa and they're putting on an interim fight here and he's like Dana White's like oh I, I don't <laughs> what did he say I, I don't want to do that to Zipa to put him in an interim fight I don't want to insult him you don't want to insult and you, you, like what are you saying to us right if it's an insult to give someone an interim title fight yeah, I think everybody knows it's a prop like it's a prop <laughs> for casuals you know yeah, well, like, yeah. to talk about bad promotion like you're you're putting on an interim title fight in your next fucking pay-per-view and you're literally telling people that, that belt is an insult like okay Dana okay and you might say okay it's an insult to Sipa not the other two but still that, what the fucking difference does that make like Jesus imagine you're Aspinall or Pavlov and you're like okay this is an insult I'm not this isn't even a real interim belt because the real belt it's going to be defended by two other lads like when they come back in fucking nine months time or whatever like fucking waste it's just Dana saying shit and yeah. when asked questions it's not I That's wouldn't true. read too much into it That's true. alright we will leave it there thank you to everybody for tuning in special shout out Graham to yourself and Ian over the last week uh getting a lot of stuff out there and stuff while I was away I appreciate you uh, and uh, you're, you're great man altogether fair play to you um, yeah thanks everybody for listening sign up to our Patreon patreon.com forward slash severe my podcast if you want to uh, get in touch with all the, the latest and greatest stuff over there and want to help us out and all of that um, use the promo code severe calderalab.com forward slash severe to get 20% off and unlock your youthful glow and be ready for uh, the Christmas time coming up here uh, please subscribe if you're listening on iTunes SoundCloud Spotify Podcast Republic Podcast Addict wherever you're listening click subscribe and click the like button or all of that stuff follow me at ChanchiMBA at Severe May for Graham at Severe May Pod as well follow our guys Ian O'Neill and all the lads over there on Twitter as well if you're doing that and uh, visit SevereMed.com as always, Graham, see us out with your quote for the week. May you grow to be righteous. May you grow to be true. May you always know the truth and see the light surrounding you. May you always be courageous, stand upright and be strong. May you stay forever young. Forever young. I want to be forever young. That's a different song. But yeah. And okay. you really want to live forever. We'll see you all next week. Good luck.